I love the sound of bass. But I'm of Jamaican extraction. Dad used to bring back boxes of records and I used to grab them from him, run to the front room and just play them. And my parents used to have these really cool parties, big speakers and loads of curry goat and food and hundreds of Jamaican people. There was this big speaker in the living room and I used to sit inside the sort of bass scoop and just listen to the bass going through it. Simon, there's no way you can have had as cool a musical education as Andrew did, can you? Well, that's pretty cool. That does take some beat. It's pretty good. We learned playing with other people and playing in the room together. So we almost religiously go around to the drummer's house and just jam for hours. No songs, just like playing grooves. Maybe you don't understand what not having any talent's like. I'll, I'll, explain, I'll, I'll explain to you briefly. So. Welcome to The Healthy Beast, Andrew Levy and... Simon Bartholomew of the brand new Heavies. So how do we go from rock and roll lifestyle to this world of yoga and school runs? And Andrew, you're, you're the one who's doing the yoga, is that right? No, Ro- Roman. Roman's the name of my son. I always often call Simon Roman because we've known each other for so long. But you could, any, any, any lapses in, in the old brain there you can put down to the, it's again, the, se- the same, the same thing. Trauma. <laughs> I think it's, it's, it feels like it's more the familiarity or the endearment of the two people, two very important people in my life, is just Simon and my first son. Because we've known each other, uh, uh, <laughs> how many years now? 46. 46 Sorry. years is a long time. 46 years, well, you know what the next question after that is. I'm looking at you, fine, you fine young gentleman, 46 year, years ago. Possible? So you've, what I age mean, you met you when were, you were one. <laughs> yeah. <No. laughs> well, that's, yeah, 46 years, that's, that's a little younger than I am. So how old were you at the time you were... Uh, I'm not sure. I'm 50. Is that right? 46? 40, well, 45, 46. I mean, we met at 11. Okay, thought. so you're... 55. You're in your middle 50s. You're looking, have to say, got a very good on radio. It. <laughs> no, yeah, we're not filming this. I can lie all I want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, you do. You look good. You look good. Feel good, actually. He's looking at Simon right, right now. By the I'm, looking at, I'm <laughs> looking at the both of you. Well, <laughs> seeing as you brought it up, Andrew... Yes. We met about a month or so ago, and you've noticeably lost weight. Have I? Thank yes. you so much. Because I'm bloated from last night. I keep, I retain water really easily, really badly. So I'm just losing a bit of water from the past few days. But thank you so much, because it does. Um, you need a bit of um, encouragement. No, but you look. You're, <laughs> you're looking. You're looking, you're looking well. Is this? Was this? Is this partly due to getting back on stage yeah. and having thinking of? Because your costumes from the nineties were uh, tight. They were part. <laughs> they were part of the band, weren't they? You know yeah. the, the posters, how you dressed up. So I guess what when you when you go back on the road, what's the kind of costume of choice? Are you kind of going, just, I going back to, where you were, or I have to avoid wearing too much black because that's what musicians wear, and it kind of puts you back in, into the background of the stage visually. So I'm trying to get out of wearing black. And the more weight I lose, the brighter the colours are going to get. So I'm at red right now. I mean, I had some red jeans on last week. Oh, <laughs> it's so quite funny because as the, tour, as the tour goes on, if you're on a longer tour, you get more used to it, you get a bit more yeah. a bit of confidence grows. I mean, as you get older, there's this kind of issues of uh, an expression I've coined called mutton dressed as glam. Not, and so we all get older. But I imagine myself going to see someone I dearly love, Jimi Hendrix. And if he was like <clears> 55 or 60 yeah. or something, would I want him in like a Noel Edmonds jumper on a stool? Or would I still want to see him with the tassels and the stuff? 
And I think I'd want to see him in the tassels, even if he was older. And it's it's maybe inappropriate. Yeah, so I made it, a decision. I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna play yeah. the guitar with my teeth. Let's yeah. go crazy. Let's just have it. Because it's about how you feel inside, and that's what you've got to believe in and project that rather than be yeah. self-conscious. I think in life in general, whatever you do, it's really important not to be judged or too much or be think you're being judged. You know what I mean? No, I think I'm that's totally, right. I think totally that's, and you've kept that. You've kept the rock and roll hair, and I think you're right. You don't want to suddenly Locked start. You don't want to suddenly start dressing like an accountant, do you? Because I like that accountant. <laughs> no, nothing against accountants. It's just it's just the well, one you go why, for. Why is it accountants? It? Accountants out there. One of, my, out, maybe, one of my you... very close friends is an accountant, and he you know he he dresses accordingly. I don't think he'd mind me saying. But, but it's tiny know. denim shorts, frayed. <laughs> oh, you know, you've, uh, you've met him. There's a bit of cheek showing. <laughs> so that's I know the guy. Just the weekends. All uh, the accountants are so typical. The little denim shorts. The <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? and not <laughs> exposing the midriff. It's funny because it is a uniform. <laughs> you, when you go and see someone you're going to give all your money to and watch your money, yeah. you kind of would trust someone more if they're wearing trousers than tiny shorts, I think. I don't know. Although the is gusto of someone wearing <laughs> tiny shorts, you might think, wow, this guy's... If they've got the track record and they can prove it, and the testimonials... <laughs> <laughs> which is That's quite funny with the denim short thing. How do we go? What's this fixation with the with the tight shorts? Is this was this something just just to add that you've you've had a long day? That's where it's going to end up on tour. I think by December we'll be wearing tiny shorts. There, I hope. There's a guy called Lemmy who was in a pop group called Motorhead. Huh. We and don't need. I mean, I know, I know. You, you, you probably I, have to score me on rock and roll. I kind of like rock, and I'm a bit of a fan of, of of Motorhead and stuff. And he played in Hawkwind, and I sort of like all sorts of music. But there was one. There's a documentary, and he appears in it, and he's wearing these denim shorts, and it's really bad. And he shouldn't be wearing them. And this isn't about denim shorts today. <laughs> well, if I if I could if I could steer it, if I could steer it slightly <laughs> in a different direction, pulling you back to what, something you said before, because you met when you were kids, right? Mm, and yeah. you must have had I was wearing little denim shorts <laughs> I, I, I said gently steer I see the gentle steering it's not going to work we're going to have to do a slightly slightly, fir slightly a, firmer hand is this steer on a, a, one of those big cows with the big Andrew, horns Andrew just to make it clear this is Andrew I'm talking to you now or uh, the sensible one as you're, I'm going <laughs> to the shyer one the, sh <laughs> the shyer one <laughs> bass player right now why, why did why did you end up playing the bass I play the guitar, the one with the six-string guitar, not to any professional standard. Now, the bass, did you kind of learn both guitars and opt for the easier one? or uh, Partly laziness, partly <laughs> the fact that I love the sound of bass. My parents, I'm, I'm of Jamaican extraction. My parents are both in Jamaica. My dad used to bring back boxes of records every, every time he went to see his grandma. So he used to walk in with a suitcase full of fruit back in the 70s and beautiful sweets and stuff like that and then he took he'd take out a little seven inch box of records and i used to grab them from him run to the front room and just play them i used to be in there for the whole weekend like every every second just listening watching the records go around and obviously um, reggae music is quite bass heavy and my parents used to have these parties really cool parties and it was a lot of fun for the kids cause, because we had to move all the furniture out of the living room upstairs in mum and dad's bedroom to put the speakers in I had big speakers and loads of curry goat and food and hundreds of Jamaican people milling around the house so we were known as the sort of party house really yeah really? And, and and I don't know where they got the sound system from but there was this big speaker in the in the wardrobe size in the living room and I used to s sit 
inside inside the sort of bass scoop bit and just listen to the mu- the bass going through. And I think that's probably why I'm tuned into the bass a bit more. But I, I actually learned it because I got given a bass by Jan's brother. Jan's the ex-drummer of the Brainy Heavies. And we were both having drum lessons at school. And we thought, we can't make any music for both playing drums. So um, his brother gave me the bass and I just taught myself really badly how to play and I'm still trying to learn. <laughs> it was one of the, your, your bass line was one of the things of the band, that sound. Definitely, know, yeah. We all complement each other and, you know, we're, we're very unique musicians because we're untrained, the three, of, the three musicians of the original Brand New Heavies. Never really had proper lessons and we kind of learned, I learned how to play by playing with other people. I, I rarely rehearse on my own. I learn songs on my own, but I don't rehearse. So we've got a very unique sound because we are sort of untrained, as it were. Simon, there's no way you can have had as cool a musical education as a kid as Andrew did, can you? Well, that's pretty cool. That does take some beating. It's pretty good. <clears throat> but I, uh, my parents are separated, so I had quite an interesting... My dad was quite a purist, and he had... And he didn't have that many records, and he had, like... He's a big fan of Louis Armstrong, but only like from 1926 to 1928 or something, which is when he first started. And all the recordings are like done on a, a gramophone. So you hear not a lot of bass, funnily enough. And amazing records. And he's an incredible player, really one of the best musicians of the last century. And he endured and a lot of stuff and enjoyed musically. And he also um, liked this guy called Leadbelly, who was a kind of folk blues guy. And he, was, and he was very passionate about the music he played. So when he played a record, he would be like, listen to this, listen, listen to that, listen. Wow, do you, hear, do you hear that? So it wasn't like background music, or I don't know how other people experience it. It was quite like that. And my mum was saying to like Stevie Wonder and Lionel Hampton, and she'd take me to uh, Pizza Express and things like that when I was a kid, sitting watching jazz and stuff. Finally, I got more into rock later on, really. But I kind of fell in love with rock and roll around the age of 11, something like that. Fortunately... Justin Fisher tipped me off to Mrs. Wardle, 1p a lesson, Wednesday at lunchtime, for lessons. And I learned, I, I, was, I loved rock and roll, and I learned, like, So what age are you when you first picked up a guitar? Do you remember? Around 11 or something like 11 or 12. It's quite funny, because having kids now, everyone's trying to get the little kids at five and six to sort of play the piano and everything like that. And I realised it didn't start till... That's five years, six days later, really. But did you... It doesn't matter when you start. Did, you, imme- that good, did you immediately get a feel for it? I'm doing a mime now. Mm. Um, it might not come across Well, first audio, of all, you're just trying to sound it out, aren't you? I can remember the sort of, like, the fingers hurting, and then you sort of, you know, like, just to... Then to change to another chord quickly was an amazing thing, to go from C to G, you know, smoothly. And that would have been, like, Peggy Sue by Buddy Holly. Like did your ear did your ear tune in? And then, then I got the rhythm. You get the rhythm, yeah, a bit more. I guess, yeah. I don't know what is tuning in is. <laughs> no, but did you just? Because okay, I'll tell you. I, I'll give you. Maybe you don't understand what not having any talents like. So <laughs> I'll, I'll explain. I'll, I'll explain. I'll explain to you briefly. So you, because I, That's you good. know, you, you're you're talking about starting when you're eleven. So I started when I was twenty-seven, something like that. So you. You play a chord. You go. You go through what you're saying. The mechanics. Your fingers hurt, but you're you're not hearing very well whether you've got it right or wrong. This is the difficulty that other people might have. Yeah. And maybe you just naturally, mm. you know, you that you you would you'd find yourself playing along with stuff and it would come to you naturally. And this is why you came on, went on, and not the only reason 
you applied your talent and you went on and became very successful. Well, yeah, but for the for other people, it's kind of mm. like, oh, okay. That's and the per the person in the next room tells you you're playing it wrong, but you're you're so concentrating on the painful fingers and getting it right that you. So you and didn't yeah, go through any of this. I think so. there's a lot of listening going on as well because I li I listened. I didn't pick up a bass until a guitar until I was fifteen. Fifth, yeah, just yeah, just after the fifth form. But I've been listening. And people and listening, listening, listening to hours and hours. That's all I used to do at the weekend. And I know Simon has as well. Just, you just listen and listen. And I think having that in your head when you're learning also is a good way of you know telling yourself whether you're playing it right or not. It's just it's just having all that background information in your head from listening to. And music. it's never been for us about being super skilled either. No. Really, it's quite a lot about feel. Rhythm and groove and feel. Rhythm and absolutely. groove and feel, rather than like shredding. You know, like people can get super it's almost like sport like go for it man but we're more like it's more like that that's not what we're about. more to dance dancing and playing if you can't dance and play at the same time then it's not working is it for the heavies <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess and that's the essence isn't it because there's tons of people on the internet who can do amazing as you say I athletic mean, things with things their hands like eight-year-old girls in china are doing these drum things i've seen some of those but they're That's all sat impossible. down they should stand well, not drummers but <laughs> yeah it's 50 percent skill and another 50 percent in actually performing but, but when the heavy started what's what quite important what you mentioned touched on earlier on was that <coughs> we learned from just like playing really with each other like <laughs> that sounds bad <laughs> but my, my mate in school adam poller who you know um you know we, we'd I, we'd have friends and we'd play guitars together so we one thing we would do is like all along the watchtower because we're kind of into this sort of rock sort of thing at the time and uh you know we perform it to our moms and stuff like that Aww. and someone would do wow. a little solo and then we actually i haven't won that much i'm not academically brilliant but we did actually enter the school music competition and amazingly actually won in the pop category Wow. And we were very shocked because they were doing the announcement for it. And we went there at lunch, and we were sort of sitting like this, you know, like, what a voir. And we won, you know, so probably the only sort of... I'm one of those that's, kids that doesn't win anything. That. I didn't know that, actually. Because sort of me and uh, Jan and I, the, the Jan, the ex-drummer, we didn't win, but we got asked to perform at this, in the school assembly or something. Never forget it. It's, it's, it's this drumming rang. thing we did, it's just percussion and drums. So you were doing stuff separately at school before? Well, <clears throat> the thing is, there was this funny thing, because Jan and Andrew were kind of into funk and stuff, and I was kind of into rock, but my rock was more varied, and I think they're really new, because like Frank Zappa and Gong and things like that are really quite achieved musicians. But I think it's perceived that rock was like... <laughs> really, was like that. That's what you nice beat. But I, but Simon got so you got me into rock. You got me into psychedelic gong and all this sort of stuff as well. And, and um, yeah, but maybe Simon didn't think realize I liked it. But it was amazing to come out of a house of reggae to yeah, yeah. Rock. And I, never heard of, uh, I think we as we both went in, into in our own <coughs> musical fields. We went into the music like not just pop music, mm. but you know we had older brothers and there's certain radio stations happening. You know, like the John Peel show, and then like uh, Kiss FM later on, and and other sort of. I mean, because Andrew was always like, we we went to the Y Valley on a on a school trip once, and Andrew actually brought a radio and a car battery, and these speakers wiring stuff up <laughs> in his bag, like insane, to find to try and play music. And I remember listening to Al Jarreau oh, yeah, on a cassette. Yeah, yeah. yeah and uh, I found all <clears> I found all soul a bit sort of like a bit sort of like camp or 
kind of what you you might view as elevatory. Bit, but then then now now I love all the musics, you know, I really do. Mm. And it's, uh, but one of the things we did also on my point, which I started off with making, was that we learned playing with other people and playing in the room together. So we we almost religiously go around to the drummer's house on Sundays and just jam for hours. No songs, just like playing grooves. Mm. And I think that's where we did a lot of damage. And, and Andrew, <laughs> Andrew, sorry to interrupt. You, Andrew, you said you, you didn't start playing until later, but were you already singing a lot? Because you were, obviously you got deep into your kind of music. Never, were you, were you never not singing, no. You weren't singing, singing along? No. So you were just, just, just listening? Just absorbing. Just absorbing. Yeah, because I... Waiting. I, <laughs> yes, exactly. Not knowing anything about the music industry or anything. But my sis, I was, I used to take tap dance lessons. Can you believe that? On Saturday mornings, and my sisters <laughs> used to do. <laughs> my sisters used to do ballet and modern. Oh, what's the name? We need to bring this into the show. That was silent snickering, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I might have raised a slight eyebrow. That's it. Was, it. I was silent. Was <laughs> tap, tap's really continue. cool. Continue. From the tap and the ballet, where were you? Tap, Sorry, tap, tap. Please continue. So yeah, well, it's the Joyce Butler School of Dance. Off, um, it was just off North, North Hills Avenue. So we all, I was going there and. Um, but it was like a whole dance sort of school there. And I think, I don't know why I got went there now. I can't remember why. Because uh, so, you didn't sing. Your parents right. would have so made you yeah. sing. What, what performing did, until you were 15? Yeah, you, so was, you were just absorbing and planning your neck, your attack. Yes. But you, your only outlet was creative dance. <laughs> that's, well, that's right. And I didn't like... Could you explain I, the rest I, of your class when you were using creative it. dance? <laughs> I hated it, actually, because going, I went for my mum's sake, but I didn't like it because I was the only boy... Oh, well, Before yeah. the age where being the only boy in a room of girls would have been, I had a slightly different take on it back then. But I was quite—I was, I was probably a, a ten or eleven. But um, I think it did give me a little bit of confidence to go on stage. I think later on in life. But once you started playing, that you, you suddenly thought maybe I can contribute to this musical genre rather than just absorbing it. But that didn't come till you were like fifteen. Or yeah, fifteen, well, sixteen, seventeen. The first time we went on stage, I remember being so nervous. I stood with my back to the audience because I, I thought there's no way I'm going to be able to look at all these people two feet away from us and remember where to put my fingers on. So I turned my back to the audience and just got stuck in. And um, yeah, and that's it's different now, obviously. Because we got famous in America, and in America, if you're not... Remember they said something to us, just before we played in Los Angeles, our first gig or second gig, they said, um, you've got to be really good in America, otherwise they'll throw stuff at you. I remember someone telling me that, and I was really kind oh, of really? freaking out. Oh, really? I didn't hear that. Yeah, and I thought, oh, we've got to be really good. So a couple of glasses of wine, and, and just co- I, was, I, was copy- I used to copy, in, not copy in dear, but use the fact that she's very confident in front of the crowd and I just sort of picked up a, little, a few little things from her and they love the music so that just gives you confidence as well so yeah I mean I see, I see an American singer who toured with Madonna yeah and Al Jarreau I think hasn't she yeah yes it's like a yeah. BV backing vocal for Madonna and so she would have seen that kind of level of show you know she was she was an amazing mover and performer and a great singer so and we, we were sort of like joining in a bit more movement than mm. The shoegazers we originally were, like standing still. Like. <laughs> but presumably, yeah. obviously, you have your first first gig. But presumably, as they get bigger and bigger, you're kind of being slowly eased in. Or is there mm. suddenly one big one where you're like, "This is a nightmare"? Well, actually, we we did suddenly get this gig um, with Simply Red, and we played at Wembley Stadium, and that was like that was a big jump from small cl- smaller clubs <laughs> to like seventy thousand people at Old Traf- Trafford Cricket Ground. 
you oh. know, and we'd come back, we'd done one little tour of America, I think, because I had these, uh, I remember because my, my, my brother said that, um, or someone said these kids, but we were supporting Simply Red with a few other bands. I think we were on just before them and someone said, stand up, stand up, there's someone wearing orange flares on the stage and that was me. <laughs> and I bought this thing in, there in San Francisco, this mental <clears throat> tasseled suit. And and I, 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 I just thought playing with my teeth, I still occasionally do. And we had the bit of the stage at the back sort of thing. And the, the long bits that went out were really reserved for Simply Red, you know. And I, and I went down the front and played with my teeth and the, and the, my guitar text, I was like, how was that? And it said, it said you see this in your face when you walk back. I was like, oh, I did it. Because it was, <laughs> it was big. I mean, suddenly there's no one for like 20, 30 feet in front of you. You know, in a big stadium, that's a different experience from like playing like in this. A, like having this club. conversation, you're like over <clears> there. And, you, and it was, that. I mean, just to fill that in, it was supporting Simply Red at the Wembley Stadium. You think, oh, no one's going to come and see the support band. We, it was absolutely packed for us yeah, and amazing. we got an encore we got an I'll encore never we did that. So, absolutely yeah, that was so like that was, fuck we're doing something right so it's a big confidence boost for us to, to do that so Andrew what's it like going home after that gig do you remember uh, was I, I always think was I single or going out because well, it gives me a context to see whether I go home or go clubbing <laughs> I think I was what, yeah, no, I, I was probably single so what did we do we, 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 I think we went out to a club Max Beasley was doing that gig I think it was before Max that is that's is it are you sure oh maybe not maybe I think it was with Max really? we, probably, we probably went to Quiet Storm or some sort of nightclub or something like that yeah, we usually go out after after kicks because the whole London scene had just <clears throat> kicked off with like one small club playing funk which is where we had our sort of debut playing a cassette we made in the drummer's bedroom on the dance floor and people carried on dancing and that spread to the WAG club, and then all these clubs started playing funk and hip hop and and very, and like the music of the time. But house music hasn't even really happened then. So we would have been going out somewhere because we mm. knew we, we we just knew we were out all over London all the time. Like we'd go to parties where we found them, like the early warehouse parties and stuff like that. And well behaved always, I expect. Mm. So quite well behaved. We weren't sort of wasn't too. We never got arrested. Never got arrested. That way. <laughs> Just for the record, the gentlemen we, we are looking at each other now, <laughs> we, we, we didn't wondering even what, this is, what, the, what, what the code is. There was a lot of dancing going on then. Early yeah. days was a lot of dancing, wasn't yeah. there? Like dingles, yeah. you went to dance. You know, towards the end of the sort of dance, like, just dancing it all out, getting <coughs> out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. We just started. Well, actually, learning to dance, man. I never forget going to dingles the first time, and like there was like Patrick Forge and Giles Peterson playing jazz and stuff, and there's literally guys like holding one foot and jumping over it and running up the wall and spinning over and you know I never danced before in my life and I was <laughs> sort of in the corner like walking from side to side like yeah. that now it's you want to see me now it's the, I, don't what's how, the, I don't know how, I don't know what's going on how has we, we've, we've covered how you're both looking well how's the um, stage act evolved now it could do with some tweaking some I tweaking think. But we just what we do. We don't rehearse the step. We don't rehearse the, the show necessarily. We rehearse the songs a little bit, and it's very fluid and very relaxed and sometimes quite vulnerable. And but I think people see us on stage, and they really connect with us because it, it isn't too contrived or set out. And there's no tape, nothing, no backing tracks, nothing. It's all real. In between songs, we start these random, very funky little jams between the songs. Just because we we can and people, I think the crowd. I think they like it, don't they? 
I mean, we, we, we played recently and we had a sort of a, a, a particular time slot. And instead of like doing playing all the songs, we actually there was like you've got like two minutes left. We had like three songs because we've been jamming and extending this trumpet solo and stuff. <laughs> like, what are we doing? But it's quite nice that we're not like do do. Next song starts in three seconds, you know. And it's all like every routine yeah. has worked out. I mean, there, there's a level to it where we need, we sort of we really feel like we want to polish ourselves a bit more. But mm -hmm. I think the wonder of watching the theatre and that energy, it's a bit like. You know, when television used to be live, you know, and stuff. Like, or going to the theatre, it's like that. Mm. It's like, you know, if you make a mistake, you see it. And we kind of... It's kind of exciting to see that. You, do you know, you never... makes it good. So, so mid-90s, so 25 years since the kind of peak, you, if you ever, did you ever stop? Did you ever stop gigging? You've always... Because now you're back. We've, yeah, we've, we've... You're back big style now. Touring. Yeah. Massive. We have... Um, we've never stopped, really, We're on average about um 25 to 35 shows a year constantly from the beginning of of time yeah because i mean someone said we're, we're, one of the interviews we did earlier on today where someone's asking where have you been and we've been playing shows all the time but when you're not with a major label and you know like we but often bands have their time you know many bands have their time like the libertines or whoever you might say and then you have your fans don't you, you carry on with your fans mm, going to see yeah. you and it'll be you know, when when you're in the pop charts, you'll have like you know fifty percent of the crowd might be people who just like the song because it's in the charts. They're not so into the band, and then they, they, then some will enjoy and stay with the band. Fortunately, with us, we've got like other bands around us, like sort of Jamiroquai Incognito, and a whole kind of world of music that it leads you to, and a whole DJ scene, the whole scene that it, acid jazz scene that happened is kind of part of our. Um, whole thing I think and, and people who like us will like possibly go to a soul weekend you know some of them and be into music mm -hmm. have you um, when you're doing shows now are you doing new stuff and yeah, yeah. And, and old you first have you reached into a bag we can, we can sorry mention about that you, that so you, can, uh, you can oh yeah I've been asked to see Evian he's thirsty and I'm giving him some brancot are you past the Pringles I don't think I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, <coughs> having a small just to wet the whistle <laughs> We've been in there well, all the day. At this, it's, it's, oh. late, it's late in the afternoon. <laughs> Once again, for the, am, I am I allowed to describe what you're doing? You're not, yes, you're not you snorting anything off the, yeah, no, off yeah, the no. service. It's just a, it's a small well, vessel. Funnily enough, of, Andrew and I don't often don't see each other that often. Not often enough. And especially over lockdown, we didn't actually see each other for a long time. Yeah. And one thing about the bandit is a kind of like, for everyone, it's... It's another. It's a unique world. It's like a surrogate family or something like that. Mm. And um, every time we meet, it's an occasion to. So this is like it's a, a social. It's a social event rather than just work. Uh, we didn't basically. really plan this, but we just thought we were feeling a bit peckish, so we ordered something from uh, you know Co -op. delivery. I needed to ask you that question. I couldn't let it go. You seem to have full confidence in the Pringles container as a wine cup. I mean, I suppose it's yeah. Um, is it working? Is there any? Is it seep? Is there seeping? Seepage. Because <laughs> they have a seal on top, don't they? Because Pringles, like they obviously ship them all around the world. I'd have thought your your, your Pringles and it's a bit. It's a billion dollar Pringles is famously Pringles. airtight. I'd have thought. I, I, I think whether so. the wine is what you're going to have well, to do is made. probably hurry up with it because yeah, that's all good. This share with, with pure Scottish water. <laughs> what, what? And this 
These but, sprinkles swam with salmons in, in a natural... What, by the way, was there a thought process whereby you thought, I, I can't drink out of the bottle because that would be really unclassy, whereas if I, if I pour it into this half pipe of Pringles... It's the rim, look, it's, it's really... I know. I like the half pipe. I like that because... Yeah, so that's the Alan Partridge, out of a pipe of Pringles yeah. in there. It's the starter. It's a half, yeah, it's a small one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, how um how has how has I was well this is pertinent to my question how has being sensible I thought I asked at the beginning but you you d- both dodged the question and we talked about other things but have you adapted to because I I remember oh, right. even yeah, I, I okay. wasn't I, I I'll I'll ease you into it maybe even even for me I didn't have a I didn't have your rock and roll lifestyle but even for me getting a house and children and it feels like it's a it's a different part of your life and it's wonderful. But, you know, it's a change for any person, and particularly mm. someone who's had the, the life you've had. So, come what's the, t- what's the hardest thing about? The tra- I think the transitioning from, I think from, because I didn't have kids until I was 45, first child. And I got married at 45, I think, I can't remember now. So, we're pr- I mean, to be honest, we're pretty level-headed. When we, when we do, there is a switch and it takes around three or four days leading up to a gig. Because you have to be the guy on stage, you know, and I, I find it not difficult, but it, it's I, I definitely n- noticed that I have to do it, and it's it's you have you can't just come from dropping kids off from school, dressing down and just trying to fit in to walking on stage and and with a great big guitar around your neck and thousands of people expecting you to be like you were in the nineties. It takes it takes time, and I figure I think I've figured it out, but um, it does involve you know a visit to the to the bar. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes but just to just to get you in that kind of party mind state but um it's yeah. it's not difficult but it but it is a thing well, and um so when, you, when you're on tour i'm still well. trying to sort of figure out how to do it easily because you know basically we do we were all aware of kind of you're very aware of what you eat and how close to a show you eat and you don't want to be on stage like needing a wee or going to the loo so you don't want to eat like half an hour before you go on stage that would be sometimes we have to but you, always, you, get, you know you're always like, you, you are thinking about in the day, you know what what you're what you're doing to get ready. How tired you are, whether you need a rest or if you've been up early and travelling and stuff. And we haven't actually been on a proper long tour for a while, and we are older now. There's no doubt about it. No shunning it. I'm kind I mean, of. I'm, I'm actually that's a little bit like. Yeah. I wouldn't mind I someone just to pick me up and put me into bed because <laughs> you can be really tired before a show, and and be tired for a reason from travelling and and crazy hours. And you go on stage. You come off stage. You <coughs> want to go and. Hang out, you just pumped up, it pumps you up, it fills you through adrenaline, yeah, energy, and then you want to go out, and then you go out, and then you haven't slept again when you should have gone to bed, you know. And it's okay, it's quite, it's kind of you can see there's that sort of danger, but you know, you can be but sleep is sleep is undoubtedly the most important thing ever to to get that energy back. And it's funny because there's all these little things that we never the worst thing to eat before going on on stage is any carbohydrates pasta is the worst thing because it just kind of makes you feel a bit too full and you're standing there with a guitar and everything so pasta's a no-no i always just stick to chicken or fish or or or, you know steak or something and nothing else before the show or just try and avoid eating altogether it just makes you feel a bit more edgy i think if you're a little bit hungry before you go on it's funny because a lot, a lot of people say that because you you think that having a few drinks like you said you maybe need it's useful to go on stage but most people that try and continue performing but try and be healthy, they say it's after that's difficult. It's not the before, because they can perform fine. It's what you do with that buzz 
when you finish yeah, how do you how do you go back to it how do you get, go back to the hotel room and go to sleep it's difficult i, I suppose isn't it i find it i find it, find it really easy i don't really you do now yeah I, I find it i've always found it fairly okay to be honest because oh, yeah. after directly after the show we, we we hang out for a good hour or so so we're all hanging out and partying a little bit backstage yeah. but um yeah i love i love closing the door and then lying back on the bed i love that i love it i always liked that. it <laughs> it's so good i'm i'm yeah i find it easy to just just we call it the backstreet boogie is that what it's called? oh yeah, yeah it's called a backstreet boogie and basically if you're out after a gig or you've been taken to a nightclub by the promoter or something and you know you can't stay too late but the some of the band are on the dance floor some of them are in the vip lounge or the toilet and you can't be bothered to go and say goodbye to everyone so you just do your backstreet boogie and just jump out get out quick make it easy because they're they're going to try and keep you in the club basically so backstreet boogie is very useful yeah never say goodbye just yeah is that oh is that what that song's about i said goodbye to you yeah i was just uh <laughs> don't you remember yeah <laughs> so you're gonna be so are you gonna be is it gonna be night after night this time and you're gonna be kind of sensible and thank god no, no. So, this the best the best way to tour is just to do tour at the weekends and it's literally friday saturday sunday or Thursday and a Saturday, it's just yeah, it's great. Then you come home and recover and go back out. <laughs> that's why I said when you go away for like two or three weeks, that's when you really get that's, when, that's yeah. when you get some touring schools going on. Especially if you travel like to Japan and do five days there, the jet lag is just crazy. You know, you're waking up and there's just nowhere you can sleep. It's like three in the morning, and then showtime. It's like you haven't slept for ten hours, and it's three in the morning when you should be fast asleep. And you're like, it's gonna be really like. Dig deep. So it's Japan back in the day you did? Yeah, even now. It's even kind now. Of we, we go there. Well, we used to go there every single year. And, um, What's it like in J- performing oh, in Japan? The whole, the whole experience we've got down to a T. Um, it's just the most incredible place. They, they treat us as if we're Gets very, 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 very massive and famous. They just look after you. They just pick you up at the airport. We've got the little bus and takes you to the five-star hotel and all the food's incredible. And um, the sound quality and the technical, technically, they're, they're bar none in Japan. I mean, you, you, everything sounds perfect. If you ask for a 1972 Stratocaster amp or whatever, they'll get you the exact amp and it'll be perfect condition and it'll be in the same position, working perfectly every single night. It's just the most amazing place to play. They really appreciate music. You know, what about more, the fans? Are they, they crazy fans? Incredible fans, loyal. Most inc- Simon's got a story. There's amazingly loyal fans. They I and mean, there's some people that that we see every single year, <laughs> and they sit and listen and and dance. That it's a jazz club that we play at quite a lot called the Blue Notes. And there's dinner and you listen to the brownie heavies and stuff. And they're not allowed to stand up, so we always piss off the management and get everyone up dancing around but actually there was a little while we hadn't played there for in japan for a, a few years or something like that and we went back and we went to see someone the night before we played and it was like i think it was kenny g or something like that or quite a sort of smooth jazz and i thought oh no we've this is the end of us you know yeah um and i so i, I decided i'd taken these all the crazy clothes there and uh I, I i sort of like i'm a bit of a punk rocker and uh so the tables, you know, the stage is that way, and this, the tables go go uh, uh, perpendicular. Is that right? Like that. Yeah. So, um, and I've, I'm thinking about it now. I'm kind of, I, I'm, it's a horrific mm. kind of like, well, oh no. 
the Onos, you know, because I didn't want it to sort of be like a nice playing band, like getting old sort of thing. Yeah. So mm. I kind of, I just basically just walked on the tables and picked up people's glasses and rubbed them on the strings and like just did a mad one. To the horror of the management, but... But they it's didn't, an unforgettable they, moment. We've been back many times since. Yeah, but, exactly. But yeah. I think the people really love to see that because, like, Japan has changed a lot since we first went there. But it's a, it's an amazing place to go because you're the only. If there's no gaijin foreigners there, Japan's incredible. I think. If you've been to yeah. Japan, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's and it's all amazing. the food is like a whole new palette of taste, unlike anywhere else mm-hmm. of Europe or anything. Yeah, it's amazing. Everything, I love, I love everything. The food I find everything's it. an amazing experience in Japan. I can't even imagine what it's like to. And then, then you go to the yeah, brilliant. But the thing is, they've had a big history of, of jazz and funk and soul. You know, Have I they? think it was because of the war and the, the GIs or whatever they're called mm. um, were there a lot. And there's a lot of American money that was p- invested in into Japan after the, the war, after the big bomb. So there's lots of, lots of American influences in, in, um, in Japan for years and years. I mean, they, they, know, they know all of our music and they know all the jazz and soul and stuff like that. So we, we, we went down well there. And lots of, lots of soul and funk bands are, do really well out there because they just have the, the taste for, for soul uh, and, music. And rock all across the board. Yeah, I mean, everything. Because <laughs> at the time, when one of the fashions in the acid jazz scene was finding these old Levi's and they were called yeah. Selvedge or Salvage. And when, oh, you tu- yes. when you did a little turn up, the, the line of the jeans had a white, little white stripe and a little red line on it. And big, and big E Levi's, the old Levi's from like the 60s, early 70s, had a capital E in the word Levi's. They changed it to a small one, so it's like big E Levi's and stuff. And they bought the looms to weave the denim from America, and they bought the indigo dye. So it was like these, so everyone's buying these indigo jeans. And there's this one shop that had every brand of jean and every. Oh. We spent hours in there. I went and, and there was, you could buy a pair of jeans and they would cut them to your size. And the Edwins were the great yeah, flares because you had that banging tight at the top, kicking out like you look like, like, like not this not big baggy cardboard. The, je- the denim was like cardboard. Oh, amazing! Really but they also had like everything like Lois, you know, Lois jeans. Remember those? Like, but everyone from the fifties right to the sixties, like the drain pipe, they just kind of they're obs- they I mean, just get everything and revive collectors. It. I think they're co- they're, they're actually yeah, a, it's collecting, a, yeah. a, a nation of collectors, and we are as well because we collect old music, retro music, and old guitars. I remember I remember yeah. once going there, and everyone was complaining that there are no vintage gu- guitars left in America because they're all in Japan, oh, really? all in Tokyo. You could buy any guitar from like any any sort of version of, of Fender guitar there we so we, that's why Japan. we loved it so much because it's like going to a flea market you know and the whole of Tokyo is like a flea market basically for us yeah just from from day one it was just such a there was you know because they, they're so sort of worshipful and respectful you can't help but not feel good and then you sort of respect back and it's kind of I don't know kind of something it's quite unusual it's not it's I think the culture there is very different it seems um, to me that when it, whatever interaction you have with anyone, large mm. or small, they're doing everything they can to make it as positive as possible. Yeah. And you, that's something that you don't really realise when you're not there because you just hear this and that and you see pictures. <clears> but when you're there, you know, you're just in a shop buying a packet of crisps and they're doing yeah. everything to make it's, make, it's, make you go out happy. Beautiful. And when that's extended to every meal and every interaction, okay, sometimes it's a bit... It, if, it if, you're late a bit at the, if you're late at the airport, sometimes yeah. you're trying to get some toys. <laughs> but, then that, but then that's the bit you remember. Yeah. But really, just to try and constantly make the people around you happy, I mean, if yeah. we all did that, imagine. Oh, well, that's why imagine. it's so lovely to be there. You're constantly yeah. nice to be there. Because you know, you obviously 
Yeah, well, my wife's half yes, Japanese, yes, and I've so, been uh, yeah. I've been a uh, f- couple of times to see family, and also I've been with work, and uh, I've, I think I remember seeing a dirty room there once. You know, <laughs> and it was like a it was like a it was like a side door in a market. Right. Yeah. yeah. Other than that, everything. Yeah, it's a lovely place. Everything. Oh, no, I mean, the, the cleanliness of the cars. You know, like the, the taxis with the um, plastic over the toilets, and the and the polish on them. They're like toys. In a box, yeah, you know, drive with moment. white gloves. Yeah, oh. I mean, yeah, it's an awesome country. And then you go there, and you go and you get. We, we had the key to the city, going to clubs, sing, jamming with other bands, dancing. Have been to the sumo? Have you ever been to, to watch the sumo sumo wrestling? No, we haven't done anything oh, like that. That's an experience. We've got to do that next. That's time. a great experience because you just go in the middle and you just yeah. don't know what. That'd be great. If like me, you don't speak Japanese, you just sit there and absorb, and you don't yeah. need to. You just sit and watch for hours. It's I love watching Japanese. Amazing. I love watching the adverts in any country. Actually, if I don't understand the language, I watch the adverts for hours when I get into my room. And you can learn a lot about the culture from the ads. I found. Yeah. Because you know yeah. what what's what they're trying to promote, or what, what people are into at that at that moment in time. But, um, and you know what, guys? It's yeah, so we're, up, we're yeah. out of time. So we, before oh, right, we wait. before we go, we need to we need to say where we can find out more about your tour. So your website is brand new. It's TBNH. TB, I say yes, anything? please do say say whatever you need to say. I was helping you, hoping yeah. you rescue <laughs> me. Then, if you want to find out any more about the brand new heavies and where we're touring and what we're doing over the next few months, go to tbnh.co.uk or tbnh. Or Brand New Heavy's Instagram and Brand New Heavy's Facebook I'm and Brand New Heavy's. I'm writing it down. Twitter. Yeah, yeah we, we have the, if, if you cut I don't know this. tbnh.co.uk and yeah. it's it's Brand New Heavy's and there's an underscore somewhere on, on Instagram, Facebook. isn't it? Yeah, this is why, this is, why we, this is how we can tell. I'm, what I'm going to do, I'm going to put that in our, I'll check okay. it and I'll put it in afterwards. This yeah. is where you know that you're, that you're, rock stars of the 90s and you don't have to be bothered with all this, <laughs> all this modern nonsense. Oh Sadly, yeah, yeah, that's true. Sadly, true. we've all got to do it. It's part of the game, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I do screen. need to learn it. And so I have to say, Simon <coughs> Bartholomew and Andrew Levy from the Brand New Heavies, thank you very much. Thank you. We've said much. where people, people can find out more. You're touring soon. Word from your sponsors. You have a CBD sponsor, Truth Naturals, who's helping you. Amazing, I yeah. Know. I recommend that. Really check it Helping out, yeah. you stay. Peace of mind. A bay. Good, healthy mind. Anxiety. Healthy mind. Exactly. All right, gents. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank awesome. <laughs> Thanks again to the brand new heavies, Simon Bartholomew and Andrew Levy. Ticket information in case you messed it up just back then. The website is TBNH, the brand new heavies, tbnh.co.uk. They're the brand new heavies on Instagram and elsewhere. Healthy Beast is at Healthy Beast Podcast on Instagram and healthybeastpodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening.